Allah has made injustice haram upon himself. In fact, as the ulama say, you cannot actually say Allah is unjust or unjust. It's an oxymoron. Because Allah gets to determine what is just. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is justice. His determination is always what is most just. But one of the earliest promises is, you're all going to be resurrected. You're all going to stand in the court of Allah. The balances, the scales will be brought and you will be judged. And from the very beginning of our beloved Muhammad sallallahu call, this was one of the things that he was mocked for, argued against, and critiqued about. They would mockingly ask him, who's going to revive these dead bones that turned to dust in the ground? Who's going to bring them back to life? They would mockingly ask him, we have never seen anyone get resurrected. People have come and gone for centuries, for millennia. We've never seen one human being get resurrected. Why should we believe? They would mock and ask, if this is true, then bring it, O Muhammad. Tell your God to bring it today. Let him establish the day of judgment today. And Allah responds to that in the Quran by saying, this is not an issue of jest. This is not an issue of joking. Nor do you have any say in the matter. Allah has an appointed time and he has appointed it perfectly. When it comes, it will shock you, even you, who is mocking it now, begging the Prophet to bring it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will shock you with your own death and he will shock you when you are resurrected. But they argued from the very beginning and Allah from the earliest revelations of the Qur'an responds to their attacks. One of those surahs where he responds to these attacks is in Surah Al-Mursalat. Allah begins Surah Al-Mursalat with a few ayat where he discusses the wind of all things. He talks about how Allah sends the winds hither and to. And I did a whole khutbah a few years ago on the winds specifically from these ayat. But Allah swears that I bring the winds, and with the winds I move the clouds, and when I move the clouds, I determine what parts of the earth get life, and what parts of the earth dry up and die. And then Allah mentions, and through the winds I bring you cool breezes, and I bring you seeds that give fertile lands some food to grow. And through the winds, I can destroy you in the blink of an eye. Now, why does Allah begin with the wind? It's a very odd place to start. Allah, the ulama say, Allah is making an argument here. That if I have perfectly used the winds, calculated the winds, I dictate the winds with such accuracy and specificity, why would you think I created you with no purpose? Why would you think that I created you with no end in mind? If even the winds have meaning, and by the way, if you don't know, if you don't know, modern science has discovered that there are actually specific winds that move across the earth. There are actually wind highways that have been consistent since the earth creation. And Allah just moves them about in these circles. They are actually specific. They're not haphazard. They're not meaningless. These are calculated entities. They have actual meaning to them. They have purpose. They have a pathway. Allah is saying, if that thing that you can barely feel, I've given it purpose. I've given it meaning. I've given it calculation. 
Why do you think your life is any different? Why do you think your creation is every different? Are you really here without a purpose to live and eat and poop and copulate and then die? Is that why you're here? Or do you have a greater purpose? The other reason Allah begins with the winds is that the winds bring forth the life from the dead earth and the winds can determine what dies. And this is a common theme of Allah in the Quran. When people mock the day of judgment, and they say, we've never seen a human being get resurrected. One of Allah's consistent responses is, all of nature dies and resurrects. Why do you think you're any different? We're going through a dead period right now, are we not? When you drive home after this khutbah, you're going to see dead tree after dead tree after dead tree with no leaves on them. Give it a few months. When Ramadan comes around the spring, those trees will will come be brought back to life again by Allah. And every year the cycle happens again and again. Allah is swearing, just as the earth dies and comes back to life, you will die and come back to life. All of my creation came into existence, will leave existence, and then will be resurrected. And Allah then gives this swear, this, He gives it a name in this surah, Yawmul Fasl, the day where everything is parsed out. The day where everything is judged. What is just is just. What is right is right. What is wrong is wrong. What is evil is evil. Everything will be parsed out and meted out and judged out on that day. And then Allah gives the quintessential ayah of this surah. وَيْلٌ يَوْمَئِذٍ لِلْمُكَذِّبِينَ A curse then will be on that day upon those who claim that this is a lie. And Allah repeats this ayah quite often in the surah. And I'm going to spend a few moments on it in a little bit, inshallah. The reason why I begin with this today, for the last few days, or in fact for the last week now, and certainly this week, the big news has been the International Court of Justice and the case brought against the Zionist entity in their ongoing genocide and ethnic cleansing of the Palestinians. And as I sat and I watched the screens, I wasn't able to spend too much time the last few days actually watching the full uh, arguments. But I know many of us did. Many of us were glued to our TV screens watching the arguments yesterday and today. And I watched. And I began to ask myself, what is, what is the ibrah? What's the lesson? What's the reminder Allah is giving me today? And one of the major things that kept jumping out at me was, this court does matter. The ICJ matters a little bit. We'll get to that maybe at the end. It matters a little bit. But there is one court of justice that matters, and it's the only thing that matters. And that's the court of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And seeing this scene play out reminded me yet again why the day of judgment is so vital. It's so important. Today, I didn't get to watch their defense, but I watched commentaries of their defense from both pro-Zionist people and pro-justice people, as I'll call them. And even those who are pro-justice had to admit they had two strong defenses in their defense today, two strong arguments in their defense. One was a technical issue. Did South Africa really bring up enough dispute with the Zionist entity for, our to, for it to even give jurisdiction to the ICJ. This is apparently, I don't know enough about the law, apparently is a very strong argument. 
And the second one, although it may make everyone in this hall laugh, the second one that they said was, the argument is, yes, Israeli leaders, Zionist leaders have made some crazy genocidal statements. Yes, newscasters in Israel have been making a lot of crazy genocidal statements. Yes, military leaders in Israel have made crazy genocidal statements. But that's just us being angry. We're just lashing out. We're hurt. We just suffered a catastrophe on October 7th. We're allowed to let off some steam. That wasn't the actual directive. You can't prove that that was our intent. We just said that was intent, but you can't prove it was our intent. And apparently, even people on the pro-justice side of this thing felt like this is actually legally a potentially strong argument. Because as everyone always says, proving intent is the hardest part of any crime, really. And so it reminded me, why the Day of Judgment is so important. It's so vital. The International Court of Justice may get it right. They may get it wrong. Only Allah knows. I don't know how they're going to judge. Even if they get it right, what jurisdiction do they really have? Will it actually stop the massacre, the genocide, and the ethnic cleansing happening right now? Everybody who's in the know says it probably won't. But Allah sees all. Allah sees everything. And on a day of judgment, one of the things that I was so reminded of was that on that day of judgment, it does not matter what they say. Allah already knows. It does not matter what they will try to claim. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala already knows. Those young babies in the tens of thousands now who have either been murdered or are now psychologically or physically disabled for life, will they get justice even if the ICJ says, yes, it's a genocide? Are they going to get their justice? Are the criminals who murdered them or disabled them actually going to be held to account enough? They will not be. The only chance for justice is when Allah holds them to account, and He will. Every single one of these Zionist maniacs who are murdering our babies will be brought to the court of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And not only will Allah show their actions, those dead babies will be resurrected. Allah tells us in the Quran, وَإِذَا الْمَوْؤُودَةِ سُئِلَتْ The dead babies will be resurrected and they will ask, for what deed was I murdered? In front of them, the babies will be resurrected in the tens of thousands and they will all ask, you dropped that bomb on my head, why did you do so? And then, and only then, will justice be brought. This is why the Day of Judgment is a necessity of the creation of this life. We will never get perfect justice. Never. In fact, there are actually examples from the Prophet ﷺ himself where he got things wrong. There's a very famous ayah in our Quran where Allah says, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, kunu qawwameena bilqisti shuhada'a lillah. O you who believe, be standard bearers for justice and bear witnesses to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know when this verse was revealed? There was a little-known story from the seerah where a man from one of the smaller tribes of the Ansar stole the shield of another Muslim from the Ansar. And in order to hide his tracks, 
he snuck into the house of a Jewish man in Medina and hid the shield in this Jewish man's house. When the owner of the shield was brought before the Rasul he accused the correct culprit of the crime. He knew, I know this man stole my shield, but I can't prove it. And that man and his family came and said, we found the shield in this Jewish man's house. And this was just after the battle of Uhud. And one of the Jewish tribes had colluded with the Quraysh during the battle of Uhud. And so they argued, these are people who are at war with us. How can you believe them over us? And so the Prophet ﷺ was about to actually judge against the Jewish men. And Allah sent down ayat revealing that no, in fact, it was the Muslim. It was the Ansari who stole the shield. And then Allah revealed this verse. Be standard bearers for justice even against the very enemies who have heightened tensions against you, who are trying to kick you out of Medina. Be just. The Prophet almost got it wrong himself. Allah saved him. There's another very explicit hadith where one day the Prophet ﷺ heard a group of people quarreling outside of his house. And he came out and he told them, I am a human being. And sometimes you will come to me to judge between you in a case. And one of you will be more eloquent than the other. And I will judge in his favor. And through that judgment, I will give the right of one person to another. You should know that right is now a piece of hellfire. If you know that it's not rightfully yours, don't take it because you're just taking the nod. I got it wrong, he's saying. I might get it wrong in this life. It's still a piece of hellfire for you in this world and the next. Even our beloved messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Noor, Allah called the prophet Noor. Allah said he's al-hadi, he's the one who guides. He brought the truth to this world. Even he sometimes, when Allah lifted up Revelation from him got judgments wrong. Real justice will only be on the day of judgment. That doesn't mean we don't struggle for it in this world. And I am grateful to the nations who backed this case against the Zionist entity. Alhamdulillah. May Allah give blessings to those lands and bless their people, inshallah. We do all we can, but we do so knowing at the end of the day, the only justice that exists is the justice of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second reminder that this scene gave me, was it just highlighted for me again the differences between this world and the Day of Judgment. You know, some of the companions used to say when they would comment on the ayat of the Qur'an that talk about the Day of Judgment, they said, whoever was judged or whoever is judged on the Day of Judgment, laqad halak. If you just get judged, forget about whether you get judged to go to Jannah or Jahannam, if you just have to go through the process of judgment, you are destroyed. That in and of itself is a form of punishment. We have a hadith that tell us there will be people who will go through the judgment of Allah and they will be judged as a person of hellfire. And as they're being dragged to the hellfire, they will say, yeah, here they will say, a'udhu billah mink to the hellfire. And the hellfire will refuse to take them. And Allah will say, I commanded you to take him. He said, Ya Allah, he invoked your name in protection against me. So Allah will say, I now give this man my mercy. When the ulama comments on this hadith, one thing they say is the judgment itself is so severe that it's punishment enough. This is why the companions used to say, whoever is judged is already destroyed. The Zionist lawyers got up today 
And they made their case for the world. And one thing that kept coming back to my mind, on the day of judgment, they will try to speak and their mouths will be shut for them. Their mouths will be completely shut. And Allah will tell their hands to speak. Allah will tell their lips to speak, their tongues to speak. But their souls cannot speak. Their legs will speak. Their eyes will speak. Their minds will speak. But their souls cannot defend themselves. They cannot even bring forth the lie. Allah says this in Surah Al-Mursalat. On that day, you will have no allowance to speak or to give a justification for your deed. You will try to justify. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will lay you silent and dumbfounded. And then He will bring all the evidence against you and you have to watch it play out. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the prime minister of that Zionist entity? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala save us on the day of judgment and allow us to witness this justice insha'Allah. Our first concern is our own souls. But if we are saved and in the shade of Allah, may He allow us to witness the babies resurrected to ask that criminal, what did you do? What did I do for you to murder me? And for him to try to spew his silly lies and for Allah to shut his mouth and then tell him what he did. Deed for deed, bomb for bomb, life for life. The day of judgment is a very, very different reality. They will have no rights on that day to speak or to defend themselves. And this brings me now to the third reminder. You know, there's been so much discussion this week about intent. And this is an important issue. All criminal law deals with intent. It's why sometimes people die and you just get manslaughter versus first degree or second degree. If you actually try to kill someone, it does matter more. It does matter more. But a few reflections on all of this conversation around intent. Firstly, before I get back to the Day of Judgment, it's always fascinated me how so many of these atheist, anti-Muslim, anti-religious bigots, please move up as much as you can. Make space for your brothers, inshallah. Allah will make space for you in a gathering much better. It's fascinated me for years. You know, I remember reading several of the uh, militant atheist books about 10 years ago or 15 years ago now, when they were a big, big hit. And one of the constant themes that they would bring up is look at how much of a dictator God is, and they would single out Islam because Islam has the rule of niyyah. That Allah doesn't just look at your deeds. He looks at what was in your heart when you did that deed. And I'll come to this in a moment. But Allah does look specifically, what did you intend? They call Allah, they call Allah the greatest tyrant. They say he's fictional but the greatest tyrant ever invented by humanity because he doesn't just dictate over your actions, he dictates over your intent. These same bigots and morons have spent the last three months telling us there's a difference between what happened on October 7th when an innocent baby died and what happens in Gaza every day when an innocent baby dies. And what's the difference? The difference is the perpetrators, according to them, out of October 7th, meant to kill that baby. They say, the perpetrators say, we never meant to kill any babies, but that's besides the point. They say they intended to kill those babies. We don't intend to kill your babies. It's just collateral damage. These hypocrites can't even keep their own stories straight. You, get, you just spent a decade telling us God is a tyrant because he judges intent. And now you want to turn around and tell me you are morally superior because your intent is somehow better than ours or better than theirs? 
Look at the foolishness of their own arguments. Let's leave that aside for a moment. On the day of judgment, again, I told you guys already, their argument today, the Zionist argument today is, yes, yes, we made all these statements. But how do you know that was our actual intent? We're just saying that. How do you know we actually mean it? And, you know, there is some reality to this. There's a, a very famous story where one of the companions killed a man on the battlefield after the man had taken his shahada. So the man, as he was about to be killed, said, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah. And the companion killed him anyway. And when the story got back to the Prophet wasallam, he said, why did you kill him if you took the shahada? He said, yeah, Rasulullah, it's clear. He didn't mean that he really was a believer. He just didn't want to die. But our beloved messenger, because, because Allah commanded him to be a mercy and a man of justice, he said, did you tear open his heart and look at his intent? Do you know that's really what he meant? How do you know Iman hadn't actually entered into his heart? Or in another reading, how do you know Iman wouldn't eventually enter into his heart? How many are the people who came into Islam from false pretenses and end up being real believers? Hamza radiallahu anhu was someone like that. He came into Islam out of pridal, um, a tribal pride, but then became a real believer. So there is some precedence to their argument in our religion. There is some of it. But again, this is why the Day of Judgment is so meaningful and so, so frightening. Because they can't make that argument on the Day of Judgment. They will try. And Allah will actually open up their hearts. And he will say, I know exactly what you intended. And I know what you said. You were saying all this stuff in public. But I know what you've been saying in secret for 75 years. I know all the lies that this Zionist entity has kept hidden from the Western world for 75 years. The Palestinians know it very well. We know it very, very well. But the rest of the world has been lied to for a very long time. Allah knows about all those private discussions. And he will play it for them. And their hearts will be brought open. Tell me now. Here is your intention. Tell me now that you didn't intend it. Yes, you will be judged by your intention. Allah will have no difficulty, none whatsoever, telling you what your intention was. And here's the real kicker. This is why the punishment of hellfire, in it being merciful and just, is such a long time. Some small segment of ulama say, Jahannam ends after a long period of time. The majority say it's abadan abada. It's forever just as Jannah is. And people sometimes have an issue with this. How is this merciful? A person lives for 70 years. They do some, even if they're evil for 70 years, how are you going to punish them for more than 70 years? And the answer is it's because of their intention. These people have intended to murder innocent people for 75 years. Sometimes they are successful, sometimes Allah stops them. The only reason why they do not continue the crime is that Allah has stopped them from continuing the crime. That is why Jannah is forever and Jahannam is potentially forever. Because it's based on what was in your heart. If you stayed alive for eternity, this is how you would behave. Is this not what Allah says? Allah says, when the angel of death comes to us, people will say, send me back, I'll do better. And Allah responds and says, no, you won't, you are lying. You will go back and you will do the very thing you were doing before you died. You think you will change, you will not change. Intention is everything for this reason. 
what you intend will determine where you are on the day of judgment. You and I have to worry about our own intentions. Are we genuinely seeking the pleasure of Allah? If we do, whether we're successful or we're failures in this life, Allah sees that intention and rewards you. And these Zionist maniac criminals, whether Allah allows them to continue the genocide or the ethnic cleansing or not, He sees their intention and will judge them accordingly. إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا أما بعد One last reflection my dear brothers and sisters from سورة المرسلات and I would urge you all to go back and actually read the surah it's a very short surah many of us probably memorized it if you read it in context of what you saw this week some of its descriptions of the day of judgment some of its ma'ani its meanings of the day of judgment will hit you in a different way but Allah ends this surah with a very powerful line. He says, Then in what statement after the Quran will they ever believe? This hit me in a very profound, different way this week when I went over this surah. One thing that's very evident when you're watching the back and forth about this court trial that's going on. Most of us, we can be honest about this, most of us went into this trial already convinced. In this hall, most of us were probably already convinced that genocide is happening and ethnic cleansing is happening. And I, from what I've seen online, many of the Zionists on the other side came into this trial convinced. I don't know how, but convinced. There's no real genocide. This is just because they hate Jewish people and they want to demilitarize Jews around the world. Already convinced. And it struck me so much of whether we can be just in this world or not, so much of whether we can be moral in this world or not comes back to how much of the truth we know. And then it hit me. Allah says quite often in the Quran, إِنَّا We sent down the Quran with truth. In truth and as truth. And so Allah asks a question here. I've said it many times on this minbar. There's only one fundamental truth of reality. That's Allah. La ilaha illallah is the one fundamental truth. The speech of Allah then, the Quran, is the closest thing we have to truth in this world. And Quraysh were witnessing, they were experiencing the Quran being revealed in live time, in real time. And still, they disbelieved in it. And so Allah ends the surah on this question. If you're going to disbelieve in the one truthful thing you have, what else can you possibly believe in? What else can you possibly know? And it reminded me of another ayah that I wanted to end us with today, inshaAllah. Allah says, أَفَمَنْ شَرَحَ اللَّهُ صَدْرَهُ لِلْإِسْلَامِ فَهُوَ عَلَى نُورٍ مِّنْ رَبِّهِ فَوَيْلٌ لِلْقَاسِيَةِ قُلُوبُهُمْ مِنْ ذِكْرِ اللَّهِ أُولَٰئِكَ فِي ضَلَالٍ مُّبِينٍ Allah says, Then, is the one, there's an implied part of this translation, I'll make it clear, is the one whom Allah expanded His breast and opened it to Islam like the one who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has closed their hearts to His remembrance 
And then we get the same phrase. The whole Surah Al-Mursalat, Allah is saying, وَيْلٌ يَوْمَئِذٍ لِلْمُكَذِّبِينَ In this ayah, Allah says, فَوَيْلٌ لِلْقَاسِيَةُ قُلُوبُهُمْ ذِكْرِ اللَّهِ So wail, the curse will be upon those who hearts have been closed off to the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says He sends down the Qur'an as truth. Allah also says He sends down the Qur'an as nur. In this ayah, Allah says it very explicitly. It's why I chose it. Someone who Allah has beautified their existence with Islam. And because of that beauty, they have the nur of Allah. The only way you and I can be protected from the delusions that we see other people in is with the nur of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One thing we all have to take to heart. Forget about the Zionists now. This is about you and me. We all have to take this to heart. Many of us in the last three months have had huge parts of our worldview ripped to shred. Things we thought were true about the world have been made abundantly clear. That is not true. So many things about the world, Allah has just completely lifted the veil. Masks have fallen off so many people. I've heard this comment over and over again. If there are so many things in your lifetime you've just witnessed, so many things you thought to be true, be untrue, run back to Allah. Because there are things you may think are true and correct today that are not true and correct. And if you don't know that they're not true and correct, if you are actually believing in something false, you may end up, You may end up as one of those very people. The one hope we have is to run back to Allah so He gives us His nur. With His nur, we can see oppression for what it is. We can see darkness for what it is. We can see truth for what it is. And we can see beauty for what it is. So after all that we've seen for the last 90 plus days, the biggest takeaway has to be, me, myself, I need to run back to Allah. Because I don't want to be where those people are. If they don't turn back to Allah, their end is going to be horrible. But what about mine? I don't want to be as deluded as they are. They really think, they really think they are on the right path. May Allah guide them and guide us. Oh Allah, all thanks and praise are due to you until you are pleased with us. And all thanks and praise are due to you if you become pleased with us. Ya Allah, forgive us our sins and accept from us our repentance. Ya Allah, we ask of you Jannah and we seek refuge in you from the hellfire. Oh Allah, Please send an abundance of peace and prayers upon our beloved Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Or you who turns our hearts, make our hearts steadfast on Islam. Make beloved to us everything that is beloved to you. And make hated to us everything that is hated to you. Ya Allah, be with our brothers and sisters in Gaza, and in Palestine, and in Sudan, and in China, and in Burma. Ya Allah, be with our brothers and sisters in Kashmir. Ya Allah, be with our brothers and sisters everywhere on this earth that we have forgotten about. Ya Allah, you know better than we do. Ya Allah, you see the suffering of this ummah. Ya Rabbi, this ummah is calling out to you and we have full faith in you. Ya Allah, this is the ummah of your beloved. Ya Allah, change the state of this ummah to the best of states. Ya Allah, we ask that you guide us, that you guide this country through us and you make us a means for this country to be guided. Ya Allah, allow us all to live to see Ramadan and Ya Allah, allow us to make the most of it and to exit it as forgiven completely. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Ashadu an la ilaha illa Allah, Ashadu anna Muhammad al-Rasulullah, 
حي على الصلاة حي على الفلاح قد قامت الصلاة قد قامت الصلاة الله أكبر الله أكبر لا إله إلا الله Straighten the rows, close all the gaps, and please fill the rows out all the way to your left, all the way to your right, sorry, uh, before you start a new line. Allahu Akbar. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين آمين بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر الله أكبر سمع الله لمن حمد الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين آمين بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قل هو الله أحد الله الصمد لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا أحد الله أكبر سمع الله لمن حمد الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر السلام عليكم ورحمة الله السلام عليكم ورحمة الله استغفر الله العظيم واتوب استغفر الله العظيم واتوب إن شاء الله just as you're walking out a few announcements from the masjid إن شاء الله some key ones 
Firstly, tonight, inshallah, the Friday Forum will be back with Sheikh Hussama. Um, he'll be discussing um, some of uh, the reflections and lessons around the new year, inshallah. Secondly, there is the very large Muslim-led protest against the genocide in Gaza in Washington tomorrow at 1 o'clock. I believe it's been moved to Freedom Plaza in D.C. If you can make it, please do your best to make it, inshallah. Let's show them all that we're not forgetting. It's not dying down. The brothers and sisters in Gaza have not been forgotten by this ummah. Uh, if you are able to make it back in time or you don't have the opportunity to go, tomorrow night there is the event with Brother Sami Hamdi. It's a very special event with him and Sheikh Yasser. Uh, this brother, mashallah, mashallah, I've learned quite a bit from him over the last year or so listening to him as a political analyst. If you haven't heard him yet, it's worthwhile to start listening. If you have, I think it's a good opportunity to go hear him speak and meet him. And then lastly, Sheikh Hussam is starting a new class, inshallah, this Sunday at 6 p.m. called the Parables of the Qur'an, Stories from the Qur'an. Inshallah, do your best to attend. Wa jazakumullah khair.